Welcome to the Tim Hill Podcast. If you have the time, you can not only listen to the episodes, but you can also watch all the shows and you'll find the links in the description below. Thank you. The Tim Hill Podcasts. Ordinary people's extraordinary stories. Welcome to the Tim Hill Podcast. In this episode, I'm going to have a chat with Amy. So, Amy, if you can tell me where you were born, not necessarily when you were born because you're a lady, if you could describe to me what it was like where you grew up, the schools you went to, and the education that you received. So, over to you. Well, it's a, it's an honour to be here with you today and excited to have this great conversation. And everything began for me in Southern California. I was born just outside of Los Angeles, but still very busy, the Valley area, about 20 minutes outside of downtown, 20, 30 minutes. And um, it was it was in the 80s when I was 70s and 80s when I was growing up. So it's a, I don't mind sharing that. And it was everything that you see California to be that was in the movies at that time. It would go down to the beach a lot in the summer as a kid. And it was, it was the surfing and the lifestyle and the Valley girls and all of the language and everything that the movies de- depict Los Angeles and Hollywood and the beaches of Southern California. That really is what it was like. I remember really enjoying being in, in high school, even the time when all that eighties music was coming out and seeing Madonna come out to life and all the new wave trends. And so I got to be a part of that at a really great time that things were changing and shifting, but nowhere near the world that we have today. It was it was really nice, I think, then to not have cell phones and to not have the technology. I just felt that life was still more simple, even in a busy city. We were still in a suburb, so it was nice. I, 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 my family owned a business in aerospace and my dad and his brothers. And so we lived in a home in a suburb that was beautiful and we had a pool in the backyard and, and enjoyed our summer times. I have one brother and went to public schools all the way through fifth grade. And then I actually skipped a grade. My I tested and, and the school and my parents decided I didn't need to go to the sixth grade and they moved me up. And at 11 years old, I started the seventh grade at a new school at a private school that was for seventh through 12th grades. And I I would be completing my education there. My brother already attended the school in high school. And so I went to a very small private school. So it's interesting that I had that small school. I wasn't in a large, big high school. I was in mm. Los Angeles, which is huge. So as far as where I lived, but my education part was very small. We, we were all in the same mm. classes. There were only um, 80 students in my graduating class. So everybody so, knew everybody. We all took the same classes. <laughs> so we raised ahead. <laughs> yes, and I raced yeah, ahead. <laughs> we haven't even got off at a beach yet, and you're already going. To Sorry, I got excited. Oh no, that's fantastic. So, Southern California. How far were you from, like, uh, the, like Hollywood? Oh, I mean, probably about thirty minutes outside of Hollywood. It, now, so with I mean, traffic, that's a whole different ball game. But if it was a light traffic day, thirty minutes. <laughs> so, did you see lots of stars? around sort of mincing up and down the promenading up and down the beach and that I mean in their swimsuits or, or you or know they, 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 I guess all, all the stars and everything sort of they hide behind there. the gates yeah. <laughs> I did have one sighting one time in a parking lot I accidentally kind of ran into Val Kilmer 
So that was my celebrity. I call it my celebrity hitting. We were fine. He was fine. <laughs> Thankfully, he just motioned me on my way. But and that was in Malibu. But uh, no, didn't didn't see too many. Every once in a while, even here in San Diego, I'll see a celebrity here and there. But but it's not that often. But I wasn't out immersed in the Los Angeles area as much because mm. I still was thirty minutes outside of town. Yeah. So. Was it a big house that you lived in? I mean, describe yeah. your house. What was that? Well, like? it was, it was everyday America um, suburban home. So, four bath, bedroom, two bath, two story, nice house, not a mansion, but not not small in a nice neighborhood. Um, so it was very, very. It was definitely very comfortable and. Mm. Uh, and and it was a it was an incredible house to grow up in. Our house was the house that all the neighborhood kids were at every day, and um, all the activities were. Is that to come around and use your pool and stuff like yes, that? Yes, everybody used the pool. <laughs> <laughs> We'd play volleyball in the backyard and the pool had a slide and a diving board. So it was, it really was a lovely place to grow up. Mm. So kindergarten, mm-hmm. how, how far away was your kindergarten? Could you remember much of that? Yes, I, very much so. I remember my brother walking me to kindergarten the first day. Um, yeah, I, I, I had to take a bus to get there. It was about a 10 minute bus ride to get to school and, uh, um, I still have the book that my kindergarten teacher gave me that she signed to me at the end of kindergarten, telling me what a great reader I was and, and, uh, wishing me well in life. And, and it was a, it was a wonderful time. And that was a big yellow bus that you went on. Obviously. A big yellow bus. bus. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. So what was the book called? Tiki Tiki Tempo. And I don't remember what it was about. I have it in my hope test somewhere, but I do remember it was called Tiki Tiki Tembo and I just loved it. And she gave me one and signed it at the end of the year. Oh, terrific. So that moves you up then to, uh, is it elementary school? Yes, the same school. I had good teachers. I always liked to read. I always got good grades. Um, I was a little more quiet. I was always in music, so I wanted to be in the choirs. And if there was music, I always I was always known as the singer. It, it started very young that everybody knew I was the one that could sing and, uh-huh. and kind of stood out for that, even in, even in elementary school. Um, but I got very good grades. And, and enjoyed all of my teachers and and uh, did very well in school. So what was your worst subject? Which one didn't you like going into? It must have been one that was... Math, definitely math. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, definitely math and science. Those were two, it just did not connect for me. (laughs) (laughs) Which now doesn't bother me as much, but... So what was your outstanding, what was the, the one you, you couldn't wait to get up and go to school for? What was, music. What was music. Choir, music, the special music classes. I did well in English, but I just wanted to be doing music. And I loved the speech and debate classes as well. Anything that was about talking or singing, I was happy to be doing. Everything else, I didn't care. <laughs> Fair one. So did you get to play an instrument? Yes, I started playing piano when I was three. 
And so, um, but my fingers were too small to take lessons yet. So, um, the piano teacher made me wait till I was five so that my fingers could grow a little bit, which they never did, but, they're still <laughs> tiny. but I did train classically on piano for 10 years. And I still, I still play to this day. Now I play by ear and play other music and my own music and what I enjoy, but, but I definitely learned to play piano and it came naturally for me. So you learned to read music as well at that stage? Oh yes. At a very young age, I was very young age. I was playing classical music and reading Mm. music. So what's your favorite piece of classical music? (sighs) Beethoven Sonata in D. Yes, my favorite piece to play. And I do still love the Moonlight Sonata as well. I love Beethoven. I think Beethoven was my favorite of the classical pieces. I didn't enjoy a lot of the classical as much. I wanted to play songs that I loved or knew. I wanted to just sit and play by ear. But what I had to play, that was the, those are the ones I enjoy. And I'll st- still sit down and play some of those once in a while. Mm. Just to get you handed. Uh-huh. My favorite piece of... Um... Classical music is uh, Romance of the Gadfly, Shostakovich. Oh, wow. And that is, that is just a beautiful piece of music, um, mainly for the violin, but, um, yeah, it's, a, it's just a beautiful piece of music. Wow. How we wrote it, I don't know, but, yeah, Romance of the Gadfly. If you, if... <laughs> I'm going to have to listen to that one now. Oh, yes, absolutely. And uh, it was also... They used it as a theme to a, a, a television program years and years ago called um, Riley Ace of Spies. Um, oh, I don't know whether it made it to America, but it was it was certainly big ho- over here. And uh, yeah, they used that as a theme tune to it, but that was great. Oh, that's great. Mm. So, what sort of music did you like growing up? What I grew did you up like on to play country music. I grew up on oh. country music, even in California. That was what my dad listened to, and that was the influence. Although, you know, once the '80s hit, I loved the the new wave music. I loved all the '80s music and pop culture at that time. So, I definitely expanded. But country mm. music has always kind of been the root and the core of what my first love was. So, which was your favorite artist? Growing up, I always wanted to be Barbara Mandrell. She was my favorite when I was a kid, and I said I was going to be Barbara Mandrell when I grew up. That was that was what I loved. And then over the years, it's it's expanded, and there's so many great artists that it's hard for me to even even choose. And there's a lot I don't like too. But I, <laughs> the, and and for me with music, it it creates an emotional attachment. So there might be a song that resonates with me, even if that's not an artist that I generally listen to all the time. But that song brings back a memory or a moment or something that it's attached to so there's a lot of a attachment to life memories for me with music that sometimes crosses all genres of music mm. well there's, there's one tune that i i like and uh, and if i don't like the place that i've worked then it's it's a tune that comes to mind and uh, it's by johnny paycheck you can probably guess that one which one? Which? Well, when I don't want to work somewhere. Go on, <laughs> see if you can work it out. 
take this job and shove it. That I one, working. of course. That one. I ain't working here no more. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I think we've all done um, that a time or two. Yeah. Well, well I, I was also big into country music. Um, I still like a bit of country music now and then. You know, I mean, sort of a bit of Willie Nelson. Of course. Um, who else? Wayland Jennings. I mean, yes. who doesn't like Wayland? Jerry Reed. Yes. Oh, I was love like, Jerry Reed. He was amazing. I was listening, I, I was listening to, uh, in fact, I was watching um, Smoking a Bandit the other day and I thought that great was movie. Great, great memories. I've probably song. seen that 30 times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's bound and down. What a trick song that is. Loading up um, and trucking. <laughs> So uh, apparently Jerry Reed wrote that within sort of about ten minutes. Um, wow! And and it it, went, it just clicked. So uh, yeah, that was that was pretty good. That's so, right. Um, middle school, so music was your, was your passion there. Yes. Um, and what about did you do any theatre or was that a bit early for that sort of thing? I did a little bit in high school. I was always in some kind of a performance or another. So it did span into a little bit of theater and, and, and I had children's performance groups and then a lot of um, ensembles in high school and, um, and things. I was always kind of expanding it wherever I, I could at that time. Mm. Yes. After school clubs and that sort of thing. Yes, absolutely. So uh, mom and dad's taxi. <laughs> Mom was the taxi. Mom and, and then I was able to do more once I could drive, clearly, than I could, could take mm. myself. But Mom was definitely the taxi. But she didn't work, so she was able to do that. Yeah. So, um, what's next after middle school? Because you missed a grade and then... Middle school and high school was all the same school. So I feel like it was all the same time. I'd, nothing mm. changed. So for 7th through 12th, I was at the same place with the same people in the same buildings, the same teachers for those six years. So it really kind of blended in together. There wasn't a separation of that. So it was mm. six good years at that small high school. And I'm still friends with, with some of my uh, school friends to this day, my classmates. And um, it was it was a very small protected little environment so we I, part of me still wishes i had had a big school experience i i remember having friends at the big high schools and thinking oh what it would be like to go there i think i would have done well at a big school i i think i felt a little bit uh claustrophobic at the small school there wasn't as much resources and opportunities but but i was close to my teachers so with that came a little bit more relationship but i don't feel as much education as i would have liked to have had so what were the main subjects that you were doing then was it was it a broad curriculum because it was a private school or, or was it predominantly the arts or was it I, I wish it had been predominantly the arts that's what I wanted but no it was <laughs> general general curriculum and and by that point in high school I wasn't caring as much about my education as I probably should have so I I was choosing the path of least resistance at that time I took the English and the maths and the subjects that I had to but uh, nowhere near like the personality I have today where I want to excel. I want to expand. I want to learn more. I want to go as far as I can go. At that time, I did not have that 
I wasn't equipped with that. I wasn't thinking um, long term. I was. I think it was a different time then. Even as a woman, it wasn't. It wasn't encouraged. Uh, I wasn't. Um, we weren't talking about higher education for me. There just it just wasn't an option. So I just. Um, I just took the classes that I had to take, but my heart really wasn't in it. I was just going through the motions, and that's disappointing now. As I've walked this with my children now, and my grown children, <laughs> I see it completely differently now. And I wish I had had more of that drive and encouragement to, to press mm. on in academics, but I didn't. So what was your favorite class in high school? Music, music and, and speech. I loved the speech class, learning how to present public speaking, you know, that challenge of speech and debate along with the music classes was, um, was just my favorite. That's what I excelled in. So you, you learn to stand up in front of a, a, an audience yes. and say, unaccustomed as I am to public speaking. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and, and and all of my report cards always said she talks too much. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I, I laugh. I, I still have connection with some of my teachers to this day. And I'm like, look, look what I do for a living. It's okay. It would, The yeah. writing was on the wall. This is what I wanted to do. So make a living out of talking. Yes. Can't fall out. <laughs> Can't fall out at all. So, because it was a smaller school, I guess that you didn't have a, a huge amount of opportunities to do no. a lot of theatrical stuff. No, very little. I was I, I went as far as I could go, and they didn't have a theater program at all. So we just had the music program I was in, and I ended up kind of being the head of it. I was I was the main person, and then I was helping the director with the larger performance choir. I was the one directing the choir as well. So I really went as far as I could go with those resources. Mm. And, and did you do anything outside of school? Did, did, did you uh, go to theatre groups outside school? or I was in a couple as a child, and then also the church that we went to growing up, uh, I was always singing and doing extra performances and, and things. It was a very large church, so they had a big music program for high school students, and so we did a lot of extra things with that, and um, that's what I did outside of school as well. It was always just music. And then I still took piano lessons and voice lessons throughout school privately as well. So uh, the voice lessons were they, they for singing, so yes. great breathing, and yes, and, and doing it from 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 down to the diaphragm and not from the throat, right? And where your voice makes the sounds and in, inside your voice and where you speak from, where you sing from. It was years of of actual vocal lessons on top of piano lessons. Yeah, so a lot of me, 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 me. Yes, oh, you have oh. to do all of that. <laughs> <laughs> So, moving on then, let's have a look. Um, what happened uh, at the end of high school? Did you did you graduate with some honours? No, and, I should uh, have. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I did not graduate with honours. I mean, I, I was up there. I did okay, but I wasn't a valedictorian. I, I still got good grades, but mm. my heart just wasn't in it. I knew that I wanted to go out and conquer the world. I knew I wanted to work. I wanted to perform, and that was that was really what I what I wanted to do. So what was history set lessons like? Did you did you did you flunk history or I did not do well with history. I I did not enjoy 
history. Although now as an adult, when I'm learning history, I find it more enjoyable and I wish I had paid more attention, but Mm. maybe I just didn't connect well with my history teachers and I just was tuning out. I just tuned out. <laughs> I, I wasn't enjoying what about no, geography? Again. Geography, I did good. I, I enjoyed learning um, uh, geography a little bit. I did okay. I did okay with that. That part was okay. And and literature, I did well. Um, uh, because it was a private school and it was a faith-based school, I took a lot of theology classes as well. And I did enjoy. Um, that was more of the history I enjoyed learning was, it was definitely the history of theology and um, the different things around theology. So I did enjoy that as well and still do. Hmm. Bit of good bothering, eh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, right, let's 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 move on. What did you do after you graduated from high school? Did you go to college? I did not go to college. I started in the family business and then I realized that I did not like sitting behind a desk. And so I found the first job that I was entertaining. I was entertaining at a, a, like a dinner theater restaurant where we were allowed to be funny and we had to wear costumes and we had to entertain. So I immediately immersed myself into entertaining and was I chose to do that until I uh, I got married and had my first few children, and so I didn't work for those first years in my twenties, and then at thirty uh, is when I really entered into the workforce and started my career that has led me through everything that I am now. So I really waited to start my career till thirty. So, just a little bit about. Um, your first job in, in the family business. Mm-hmm. So what, what what did your dad expect you to do? It was a very large company. So although my father was one of the owners with his brothers, I worked in a completely different building and a completely different department. And I was at the front at the time that it was the old fashioned typewriter. And I was, I was typing up, um, papers that were needed for the trucking companies coming in and picking up parts. And I was answering the phones and just handling paperwork and coordinating for the shipping department. And it was, it was, it was grueling. I I am not (laughs) behind a typewriter. (laughs) It did not, that did not last long. (laughs) That did not last long. I was like, nope. This is not this is not my calling. This is not what I'm supposed to do. But so did, I learned. So what did your dad say when you you said, Well, I'm leaving to go be an entertainer? And I told him I was leaving to go put on a costume at a dinner rest at a at a at a dinner theater. And at first they they thought I was a little crazy. Um, <laughs> but you know, the truth is I made more money at the dinner theater than I did at the family business. <laughs> <laughs> they tipped well. It was it was a great environment, and and um, so I wasn't there long before the family realized that was a good decision for me at the time. I was young. Yeah, and it should have, it should have reminded you, Dave. Well, if you paid me better, I might have stayed. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, that was a different time then, and as a woman, you know, and it, yeah. all the men ran the business, and it just. It was just different, and I don't understand why to this day, but it was just different then. Mm. So this 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 restaurant job. So 
What did you just dress up as? I was in, dressed as a Native American, as an Indian. I was like Pocahontas. All right. So, <laughs> so you had to sort of put some red on and. and... <laughs> I had the I had the outfit and I had a headband with the feathers, and my character name was Princess Running Mouth. <laughs> so, so I guess that fade then. I, I still have that, that and I no, they came up with that, and I still have that costume to this day. Can it, <laughs> does it still fit? It does. I'll have you know, it does. <laughs> Terrific. So, how long was you there for? I was there for a couple years. I think I was there for two years, and I loved it. I made lifelong friends. I learned real quick how to work in a in a tough, fast paced environment. I learned how to be funny and quick-witted. I learned how to be a good server. I learned team skills. I learned a lot in that job that I wouldn't have learned otherwise. It was an incredible experience. I wouldn't change it at all. So, so just so I understand, so it's a theater restaurant. So, so you, you've got a stage where, where you've got actors. No, there wasn't a stage. We would go to each table, and so there were different rooms. You, the guests were put into different rooms that had a different theme, and so, uh, and every server was a different character. So together, we would come up with skits and songs, and we would entertain, and we would do a lot of improv. It was a lot of improvisation. So you had to be funny and think on your feet very quickly while still helping serve the food and the drinks and and work the restaurant as anything else and it was really fun really fun Ah, it was just laughing all the time so did you have much chance to sort of do some rehearsals before you, you sort of no, started each day or was it, it was it was it just... was different every day nothing scripted no rehearsals you just you had to read the room and and who the guests were and you would feed off of them and your other coworkers and we would we had a couple things that we kind of figured out that we would come up with together that we would do each night so that was kind of you know oh, we'll do that one again but a lot of it was very uncertain scripted and very off the cuff. Mm. Now that, that that can have a downside as well because because how how often did you not quite judge the room and oh, I'm, I'm sure it happened I'm sure it happened plenty of times especially if it's a day that I'm tired or I'm just not completely on but the good thing about that is that that my coworkers were so strong that if one of us was having an off day the others would really pick up the slack so you always had a team member there to help you if you're like hey I'm slow today or I don't feel well today or not getting it they would come in and help and together as a group it really always worked out mm-hmm. and that's where I really learning how to be a team paid off yeah so each so you, you've got different rooms so you've got different characters mm-hmm. so on different themes so how did the others come in and, and help out so you so you're dressed up as a, a princess motormouth <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we had a cowboy, we had a pirate, um, we had a guy dressed as a doctor, and everybody had a character name, and you had to you had to stay in character. So it would be funny to see these different characters interacting with a character that didn't quite make sense, and we could make it really funny. <laughs> it would be funny to see the doctor and 
the pirate coming up with skits together. And um, so it, it, uh, the cowboy and I did very well because I was an Indian. Mm-hmm. So we did a lot of cowboy and Indian uh, skits, but it was really fun. We would stand mm-hmm. on the tables. I mean, there was, we could do anything <laughs> we wanted to. I would, sh- I had a little bow and arrow with a suction cup and I would shoot it across people's heads and it was great. People would wait hours to get a seat in this restaurant. Crikey. So it was obviously um, a posh restaurant then. Did, yes. Did you have, obviously if it was that, that, that famous, you obviously had lots of famous guests coming through all the time. There, there there, were some at times. This one was outside of Los Angeles, but this restaurant chain had about six or seven different locations um, in the U.S., on the west side of the U.S., and so they were pretty popular at the time. They're all long gone now, but mm-hmm. uh, they, they were people would go there for, for celebrations. You'd have a lot of guests there for their birthday or an anniversary or a graduation. Uh, company Christmas parties was a big time of year. We'd get a lot of Christmas yeah. parties. And and we would do big large parties in one of the rooms, so that made it really fun. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. So, a couple of years ago, and then I guess that was it. You pulled the pin out. You got married. Yes. Did you marry the cowboy? No, nobody from work. Nobody from work. <laughs> so that's that's okay. And I and I had a wonderful time for years getting to um, have, have my children and 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 um, help and be there for them in those formative early years and and that new time of being a young mom. And then at thirty, I, I uh, went out into the workforce and found myself and finally got to use some of those skills from English and from speech and debate mm-hmm. and music all at the same time. That was when I really got to launch. So what did you launch as? I actually, it's funny because I told you I don't like numbers, but I went into the mortgage and banking profession and I was a sales rep for one of the big mortgage banks here in the United States. And so my job was to go out and bring in business. And so it was really communication and people skills and memorizing our products and what we sold and to go help uh, with, with the mortgage industry. And so I drove, I was in my car. I had accounts all over Southern California. I would drive all over Southern California every day and go visit my clients and do presentations and earn their business. And, um, that was where I learned how to really be effective in sales and as a business professional, but still my entertainment skills, being able to stand in front of a room full of people and present and still be funny and be professional and make connections and not be afraid to speak to people was what set me apart. Mm. It made all the difference. Absolutely. So how long did you last at that? I did that until the mortgage and real estate industry collapsed here in 2007. I, I, was, I, was, I was very successful with that for those years. And in 07, when, when the industry collapsed, my job at what I did for banks disappeared. There was That job did not exist anymore. And so I lost my job overnight when, when the recession hit here in the U.S. And that was, tr- that was devastating. Absolutely yes. devastating. 
So you just you lost all the clients, everything. I lost my job. Yeah, the bank, the bank. We all lost our jobs. They closed down branches. They closed down divisions. It was overnight. It was like a plug just came out of the wall overnight. It was awful. So, what did you do? Well, I looked back and said, I can entertain. I'm good with people. I'm an effective communicator and I know how to succeed in business. Guess what might happen if I put those skills together and go ask for the business in music. And that's exactly what I did. I put together a business plan and I knew it was time to go out and perform, but in a way that could really provide for, for myself and the kids. And, um, I asked for the business and six months, six months later, I was opening for one of the biggest names in country music on a very large national stage. And I launched my music career as a touring recording artist from that experience by shifting and saying, I'm going to use these skills. I'm going to use communication and business skills and the same drive and go and effective communication and ask for the business as a, as a singer, as a recording artist. And I did. And I toured, I toured, um, for the next couple of years. So what was your first song that you sung? What, what, what was the hook? That, that, that well, like everyone else, <laughs> I, I, my first songs were doing other people's songs because that's what you have to do when you're getting started. But I had, um, I had a couple songs that were originals that I had um, had the permission to cover from writers in Nashville. So I had a couple songs that were originals, but when I was out touring, uh, the other part of my show would be songs that people recognized so that it was, you know, I, I sing the 1942 song ghost riders in the sky. It's one of my favorite songs to sing. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yippee Kaye, Yippee Kayo. I sing Bon Jovi wanted dead or alive. I, I would sing other classic country songs as well as some more contemporary, um, or rock songs so that I was meeting my audience needs. Mm-hmm. It was really fun to put that show together. And then in 2009, I was able to find a song that I had been looking for my whole life. I wanted to have a song that honored our veteran and military community. And I was able to connect with a writer that was here from California that had an amazing song called Coming Home. And it was a song to honor our veterans that were coming home from the war. And he gave me the permission to sing that song. I recorded it in Los Angeles and the rest of that touring time was really out there promoting this song. And, um, because of that, I actually became the spokesperson for the American veterans for the state of California. And again, effective communication, being able to speak in front of people combined with my musical talent really came through on this one as well. As I spent the next couple of years along with my touring, uh, performing for military and veterans events all over. And it was a powerful, wonderful time and incredible life-changing experiences. So how, so where did the veteran scene come from then? Well, I mean, my father served in the Air Force when I, before I was born. So I had always loved and appreciated 
um, you know, our, our military and veteran community. And I always want, I had been practicing the national anthem since I was three years old. I just knew I would be singing the national anthem. And that was something that I always wanted to do. And now I had the opportunity and I, I would sing in the stadiums. I would sing the national anthem at military and veteran events and sporting events. And so it, it just grew from there to where, uh, every time I, I would sing or perform, somebody else would ask me to come and sing and perform. And so it just kept growing and evolving until I had a full schedule. That's amazing wow. events. Cause, cause you guys treat your veterans a lot different to the way they treat us veterans mm-hmm. over here. Cause I'm a little bit of a veteran myself, you know? Well, thank you. That's, oh. that's fantastic. Any veteran in any country. That's, that's fantastic. Thank you for serving. I only, I only did 44 years under the colors. <laughs> 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 yeah, they didn't like me, you know. <laughs> they kept sending me off into arms way. Oh, they didn't like you, huh? <laughs> no, no. Kept sending me off to hostile places where hot and dusty. <laughs> oh, <laughs> my goodness. They to kill me. But um, like a like a bent penny, I used to keep turning back up again. <laughs> so I could buy it. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I've done, I've done, I've done a bit of a veterans over here. Obviously, um, take part in veterans events. Um, we we had say uh, we had a, a Talavera dinner the other night. Um, a, a little while ago, I did a um, million vets march on London, wow. where we we had a bit of a demonstration because we've got. There's, a, there's some vexatious claims from the Northern Ireland days um, where they're trying to prosecute uh, veterans for serving in Northern Ireland. Oh, my goodness. Um, so we went, we went another a, a rock with that. And then um, we did, uh, I did a motorbike ride as well, uh, Rolling Thunder, uh, where we, <laughs> we drove all our motorbikes down into London and surrounded Parliament Square. Uh, <laughs> Oh wow! Um, so, uh, and then we've got another. We've got a few veteran scenes coming up fairly soon, actually. Um, wow! We're going up to a thing called Ride to the Wall uh, on the first of October, where there's about eight thousand or so motorbikes veterans all going to ride up to Staffordshire, where we've got the uh, National Memorial Arboretum, um, mm-hmm. and we're having a service up there. So that's that's going to be quite a big day. Wow. Yes, that'll be wonderful. Yes, and um, and on my. My, my Thursday Thursday show, I, I, I've got a, uh, a veteran's mental health special coming up. Um, oh, good. That's so important. We, we've done a couple before, so mm-hmm. uh, we're going to bring all that together. So, Wonderful. Yeah, so brilliant. So you get involved with the veterans. Very involved. Mm. Very I was, involved. Uh, I was talking to the, um, the warrior... Warrior program. I forget what it is now. It's quite a while ago, I suppose, to these guys. Um, but yeah, there's a program that these guys do in uh, in Texas uh, where they're helping veterans with mental health issues. Wonderful. And, um, 
there's a lot of great, great organizations that are helping veterans with mental health issues. I, I sit mm-hmm. on the board of directors for, for one of them currently. Mm. Well, the, the problem is that because we've been involved in, in quite a few wars recently, um, lots and lots of guys um, are coming back with, with, with problems. Mm-hmm. And the way we found that to, to deal with it is that during conflicts, if you've had, uh, if you, if, particularly if you, you're in the front line, then there's a way of dealing with it where you, we use TRIM, which is Trauma Incident Management. Okay. So, mm-hmm. so it's a process that you take guys through over a sort of a three month period where you, you talk through some of the issues that they're having, uh, and if they if they're struggling, then you refer them on to to specialists that, that, that right. help them, um, and hopefully that kind of reduces the problem of, 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 of getting mental health issues later down the line right. where years ago they didn't have that and, and, and consequently you're seeing lots of veterans that have problems where it hasn't been dealt with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, completely. So tell me a little bit about, would you say um, you're a director for a charity? I sit on. I, I'm on the board of directors, so I'm a board member for um, for a charity. I'm, I, I actually sit on three boards, but this one for the veterans is called Saddles and Service, and it's using horses in equine therapy for trauma for tra- trauma for veterans, police officers, any uh, anyone that that serves and their families can come mm-hmm. and have therapy and work with these horses on the ranch and ride the horses and it's a it's a really wonderful ranch that we have here um, in Southern California and so I'm it's and it's got three locations around the United States, three big ranches and so I sit on the board of directors to help support that that foundation. And in fact, the founder, um, is a woman that went to my school, small high school with me. We went to that little school together and now she and her husband run this huge foundation and we've reunited and I help her with that foundation. That's terrific. Yeah. It's really neat. Mm. So is, is that's obviously just dealing with American veterans. Yes. You don't like, yes. You don't like us Brits. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe if you came over, I'm sure they'd be more than, yeah, than stopping, warm and welcoming. So these ranches, are they like um, the traditional sort of cowboy stuff? I mean, they caught yes. horses yes. um, with, a, with a horn saddle and, That's uh, correct. and a rope and, and yes. cowboy hats and boots. Cowboy and hats and they, they rope cattle and, yes, very much cowboy ranch. That's correct. That sounds like a huge amount of fun. It is. And they <laughs> use rescue horses. So they take horses oh, really? that, that need to be rescued from anywhere that, that maybe they're not being treated correctly or they are um, not in good health or they need to retire from whatever service they were in. And they actually Thanks. use rescue horses for this therapy. And it's really spectacular. Thanks, rodeo horses, that sort of thing. Yes. Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> 
So um, we, we, we kind of strayed off. <laughs> <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> we, we, we've got a, gone off the, uh, the jump. We went on a different road, but it's a good road. Yeah. So that's okay. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> so let's have a look. Uh, where do we get to? Um, so you've, you've got yourself into the business. You, yes. You've used a... And you've got this song, uh, Veterans Coming Home. Yes. So we, I did that a couple years, and it was really, really, really wonderful. And then um, I decided it was time I needed to I needed to increase my visibility and wanted to step back into the business world at the same time. And my kids had needs that I need to make sure I'm providing for. And so the economy started to get better um, after 2011. And so there was an opportunity for me to come back into the mortgage lending and, and a home lending banking world as a manager, as a sales manager, helping um, helping the sales team to go out and effectively communicate and bring in the business. And so I came back into the business to help them develop business. I came in as a, as a sales manager and started that again. I was still singing. I would still do some pretty big shows on request, but I stopped touring so that uh, my youngest child could really go through the schooling that she wanted to go through. And I stepped back into business and that was a really neat time. I, that's when I moved to San Diego from Los Angeles and started meeting great professionals from all over. And it was really fun to be back and speaking that language in the business and the banking world again, while still having an opportunity to still perform when I chose to. So I, I put those two worlds together. Mm. That sounds like a, a bit of fun. So were you taking people and training them up? Yes, um, to, I was to, training them. With, with your techniques of yes. communication skills. Communications, go ask for the business, go go make yeah. solid relationships, how to make an effective presentation, how to articulate and set yourself apart, things like that. So it's obviously was successful. So were you working for one of the big banks or? Yes, uh, I, I actually. Banks? Yes, I worked for a uh, bigger, bigger company for for the United States. Yes, primarily in California, but they did have they had representations all over the nation, and so I would represent the team just here in San Diego for that. Mm. I didn't represent the entire bank on that, just the the company here here in San Diego, and it was during that time that I got a phone call from one of my colleagues in that industry that said there was an opportunity for me to step into TV hosting for professionals. And that's how that door opened for me to be a TV host interviewing business professionals and entrepreneurs and community leaders. And so the, that path opened up the next big path for me to still, to be in front of the camera, to be using these effective communication skills and business skills and still being comfortable as the entertainer. And so I was a TV host for the past five years. Wow. Yes. Talk to a TV star. <laughs> it was a really great time. And one of the shows was just for veterans. So it was really, really fun to do that. Mm. 
It was really incredible. What was that show about then? The show was called The American Dream, and it was uh, uh, was interviewing different professionals and business owners talking about how they built their American dream. It was a lot of real estate agents talking about owning the American dream, the American home ownership, and uh, banking professionals, um, community leaders, things like that. And it was all anything that was positive, anything that was educational, helping give back, and a lot of interviews were in the TV studio in person, but a lot of interviews were just like this, where they were virtual. And that was before everybody was doing virtual interviews. This was before <laughs> the pandemic. And and so learning how to do these virtual interviews from the studio, as well as in-person interviews. And uh, I, I've interviewed hundreds and hundreds of amazing professionals from all walks of life by having the opportunity to have that experience. And the other show was called Operation American Dream that was just for military and veteran topics. And so I was able to take my experience in communication, in business, in sales, in performing, and in all the years that I served the veterans to really come into one full career. And it was the perfect fit for me. Wow. So that show's still running. Uh, it is still running. I, I uh, stopped hosting for them and oh, about about a year ago because my business I got too busy. <laughs> I decided <laughs> to transition into and and uh, go go with the direction of everything that I'm doing now. But uh, but it's still it's very wonderful. Yes, it's still there, mm. and it, and it grew. The, the it really grew. It gave me some incredible opportunities to be on some big networks. So they got your name out there even more then. Yes, very much so in a big way. So you're still doing a bit of singing? Well, I recorded, uh, I was able to go back to Nashville after all these years. I went back to Nashville um, last year and I recorded a new album and we just released it the first of the year. And my first single, the first song off of that um, has is on the charts worldwide. <laughs> It did very well there in the UK. It still is. <laughs> and so I am really um, enjoying this to see the music coming around and having the opportunity to promote the music and to to see my dream fulfilled after all these years and these different careers that um, I've got a major music project out on radio right now. And it's really fun. Really fun. Wow. So you got any real what's what, what's your your real ambition for singing? I love that the music opens up opportunity for me to still work with great professionals. For me, this the singing is is the the little girl that always loved to sing. And I've and I've already toured. I've already been on some of the biggest stages here in the U.S. I've had incredible experiences. The music now is is an incredible vessel to reach out. It's growing my network. I'm meeting incredible professionals, and and I met you because of doing interviews like this, and and so it it allows an opportunity for me to really reach out in a much larger way across the globe as I now really help professionals in my business as a media and communications coach. It's opened up the opportunity for me to help others to do the same thing. 
to not give up when, when you lose your job or when hardships happen, to not think that you're too old to start over and to continue to allow your career to unfold in front of you while staying true to who you are. And that core person, that core kid that started playing piano at three, that started singing, that only wanted to do music classes and English class and speaking. I speak for a living. I sing for a living and I coach professionals to do that same thing. So it came around full circle. Mm. So, question, have you sung at a Grand old Opry? That is, that is the next stage that is on the bucket list. I am currently working on that right now. <laughs> Do you want me to put it? It is in the works. <laughs> that is that is the one that is the one stage that is left and it is in the works. And I had a tremendous opportunity. The musicians that are on this these songs that I just recorded last year are the same musicians that are that perform at the opry every night. They've got seats at the opera, have they? They they are the musicians that perform at the opera every night for all That's to make part. Yes. That's what I mean. Yes. They've got a seat at the Opry. Yes. So, so I, 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 uh, I, I've, I've interviewed quite a few people from the theatre world and uh, and on uh, Broadway uh, to be one of the the house musicians. They call mm-hmm. it having a seat. Yes. Yes. Um, yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so so they they've got the seat. At the they've Opry. got the seat. So it's, you know, things, things happen when they're supposed to, I'm not going to rush it. I will be thankful the day that that's supposed to happen. And since I was three years old, when I said I wanted to be Barbara Mandrell, when as a small child, I said, I'm going to sing at the Opry someday. It is absolutely closer now than it ever has been before. And it's right around the corner. Wow. I wish you every, every success on that one. Thank you. I like the Grand Old Opry. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Amy, this has taken us to some places I didn't reckon (laughs) I was going to go, but it's fabulous. Thank you. I really, really enjoyed this. Thank you. I did as well. Thank you so much. You're such a gracious host. Oh, you're too kind. The Tim Hill Podcasts. Ordinary people's extraordinary stories. Welcome to the Tim Hill Podcast. If you have the time, you can not only listen to the episodes but you can also watch all the shows and you'll find the links in the description below. Thank you.